welcome to episode number two of Two Genius, One Idiot. Uh, we got myself, Johnny Phoenix. Then we've got our Mike One. Yeah, Mike One. And then yeah. joining us today is our third. The uh, not necessarily saying he's the genius or he's the idiot. We'll let you decide that. But we've got hmm. Tommy Cumlati, aka Tommy Two Guns, aka Tommy Epstein. He's not here to kill himself. He's uh-uh. here to kill the podcasting game. What's up, Tommy? How you been? It's here to be a genius. Nice. <laughs> nice. We need some help. We All need right, some so, help. Yeah, so last week we had given everyone kind of a brief introduction to us and uh, who we, it was that we support and who we is. Let's go ahead and break that down for us, Tommy. <clears throat> I'm from Oklahoma. I'm a big Sooners fan and screw LSU. Hmm. But I got to say that win against Clemson didn't make ours hurt so bad. Um, not bitter at all. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> and, uh, I root for the Hawks. Unfortunately, I got to look at Mike. Yes. Green Bay crap. Yeah, no, that was a interesting game. We're going to touch base on that as well. Um, so one of the first things that I want to talk about today is, I don't know if, if you heard, Tommy, but me and Mike were gave our predictions and – Somebody here was four for four, and I'm not sure who that was. I'm guessing it was probably me, but you know, no big deal. And, and the one that I picked that uh, I don't think anyone agreed with me at all was the Titans to upset the Ravens. And um, I don't know, Tommy, what was the score? Twenty-eight, twelve. Uh, who won? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no big deal. And what I found interesting is literally some of the talking points that um, brought up was definitely Derrick Henry and then Ryan Tannehill opening up the pass game. You know, after they established the run, they got some big downfield passes. And really, if you look at the stats, uh, Ryan Tannehill wasn't lighting up any uh, categories whatsoever, but he did enough to keep the Ravens' defense honest, and you see what happened. So. Yeah, yeah. The, the biggest the biggest part of that game was not letting Lamar be Lamar. Once they got down, Lamar had to have a different game plan he wasn't ready for. Yeah, interestingly enough, he actually did still come away with 143 yards rushing. So, I mean, he still did what he was doing throughout the season. They just fell behind, and Tennessee, you know, their game is all about time of possession, and they just wore him down. They just How kept- many turnovers? Uh, you know, to be honest, I didn't uh, enough enough to lose that game. That's a, that's how many. <laughs> I believe Lamar had three turnovers. Three turnovers. Eesh. Costly time to start turning over the ball in the playoffs. You know, my my uh, prediction for that too was that uh, Lamar would just be too much. No one would be able to figure him out. And uh, man, they shut him down. He wasn't able to do anything. Um, it was it was impressive. And uh, yeah, King Henry was just way too much. You know, they couldn't stop him the first half, and you know how he runs hard the second half. Uh, I knew they were in trouble. Uh, just uh, very, very impressive, you know. And now that uh, Tannehill is out of the grasps of Miami and is flourishing like the quarterback that they really hoped he would be. I mean, he got paid in Miami. He got paid in Miami to be less than mediocre. Co- and now Cocaine ain't going by itself. Now, yeah, that's right. That's right. And now... Uh, you know, he's one game away from going to the Super Bowl. So uh, impressive. I don't know what that says about the Miami organization. We can talk more about that later, I suppose. But uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, pretty yeah, impressive. Also, so the last two games is setting records with his rushing and playoffs. He's just ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah Tannehill is playing lights out, and he's he's a big bodied quarterback. We said that too, right? He's a big bodied quarterback. He does not shy away from uh, from some contact, and man, they're on fire right now. I mean, they look you, good. You did say that. Titans definitely proved that they can compete with these teams, even though they're nine and seven, you know, coming in as the sixth seed. I was, uh, you know, obviously I predicted them to win. I thought it would be a little bit closer. I think that they actually dominated. And then um, the Ravens kind of came back towards the end and kind of uh, made it a little closer on paper than it actually was. I don't, I don't think it was really that close at all. Derrick Henry is a bowling ball and they are, you know, he's got really fresh legs. He's always averaged right around five yards per carry since his rookie year. He was splitting time with DeMarco Murray, which kept him really fresh. So I think even though he's in his fifth year prime of his career, they can definitely ride those legs until they get to uh, get to the Super Bowl. Because my concern was the fact that they've been feeding him the ball. Uh, I think the first game was 33 times, and then this last game was 36 times. That's a big workload even for a guy like him. But... I mean, those legs are fresh, man. I'm splitting the time with all these other backs. He's basically only been a full-time back for a season and a half. So now's the time if you're going to ride. You've, you know, so far they rode him to get where they are, and they, I believe they can continue to do that. And I think that's exactly what they'll do. Um, so it was a very impressive win for them. You know, I think Tannehill is a game manager. I don't think he's been a game changer. Disagree. <laughs> yeah, I disagree. Well, I mean, that's cool. We're on a podcast. You're allowed to disagree. Well, I mean, let's, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's look back at the Patriots game. Okay, what about it? When he needed to, he stepped up right into that pocket under pressure and made the throws that needed to be made. Right. right. And again, uh, managed to not screw it up for them. Because at the he end of it, it was their defense that won it, not, the, not their offense. He made some They're- great throws. He made some good plays with his feet. Like, he isn't like a Joe Flacco just sitting back there hoping to make a play. Like, he actually made plays. He went head-on with some defenders and took them on. Like, what? And uh, so, no, I don't think he was just a game manager. I think he deserves a little more credit than that. I know you're salty about it because that's what you expected in Miami. I get it. But I'm just saying, man, you got to give him more credit than that. All right, bitter, whatever it is. I don't know what you call it. I will accept bitter. So I feel it in my heart. (laughs) <laughs> I feel it right here in the stones and in the bones. That's where I well, feel hey, that shit. <laughs> and as much as it pains me, I do have to give you some credit because on the last podcast, you did call out the fact that uh, Lamar Jackson's play was not sustainable through the uh, playoffs and uh, he got shut down and uh, you called that. So I want to make sure that you get credit for that. Uh, it's not often I like to point out you're right, but. It's on record, so I must admit that good. you were correct. It's Enjoy life-giving it. nectar for me right now. I appreciate that. <laughs> life-giving nectar. All right. Oh, yeah, so, right. I mean, it was it was definitely a big win for them. I think they're riding that momentum. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then, you know, the other games. Um, another game that was uh, just took, took us on an emotional roller coaster was the Texans versus the Chiefs. At first, it looked, you know, very, very good for the Texans, Deshaun Watson. Those guys were firing on all cylinders. They came in there. It, kept, it was coming in hot. And then all of a sudden, 
what uh, it was, I believe, 24 to 0. 24 0. Houston led after the first quarter. And then Bill O'Brien made a great decision to go go for it on fourth. Yeah. You think that had that much of an effect on the game? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah, I think the- that uh, the Chiefs escaped with a victory in Houston, you know, over Houston. Uh, there's a couple plays, man. There's a couple plays that could have changed the game. Um, I think I ran out of fireworks because of so many touchdowns were scored. Right. Right. I mean, truly though. I mean, when you look at it, uh, Mahomes, 321 yards, five touchdowns. Kelsey had 10 receptions for 134 yards and three touchdowns. Man, imagine if that happened during the regular season during fantasy. Been a killer week. So they got firepower when they needed it. I mean, it's pretty impressive, right, for a playoff game to be down 24 and then to come back and take the lead before halftime. That's crazy. Last week you said that Kelsey was the best tight end. Yeah. yeah. He absolutely is. If you can't contain Kelsey, it's going to be a long day for you. I agree. Right, that's, so, that's huge. Yeah, I definitely think he's he's doing his thing right now, and he's pro, he is the best as far as offensive production now. The question is, does the fact that George Kittle is one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the game, and when needed, he always seems to come through with those clutch um, clutch receptions, especially on third down. I mean, you saw what he did against uh, the Saints earlier this year. Right. Got him that big first uh, and then some, and then they were able to kick the field goal win the game. So I, I think Travis Kelsey is the best, and then I'd, I'd debate – George Kittle's a very close second, and then there's everybody else. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm with that. I'm with Kittle's that. Kittle's a monster. Okay, so now we're going to get into our picks for the Chiefs versus the Titans. Let's start off with Tommy. Who you got? I've got the Chiefs in this one. Uh, I thought Houston was going to have a good chance to shut them down, but once they got going, seven straight possessions, touchdown. I don't think that it's going to be as close as we hope, but I take Chiefs by three touchdowns. Wow, three touchdowns. Nice. That is a big, big spread. All right, so um, so my thoughts on this is that they're Tennessee's formula, we know what they're going to do. Kansas City knows what they're going to do. Baltimore knew what they were going to do. Patriots knew what they were going to do. Haven't been able to stop it yet. Um, now, me and Tommy, uh, briefly there, he was mentioning something about Derrick Henry's running style. Uh, Tommy, can you just go over that real quick? Well, he's a high runner. He is. And I don't think he would have the success that he's having now before all the rule changes and going up against a guy like Erlacher. It wouldn't have happened. Yeah, he's definitely uh, more of an upright runner. What I've noticed is that uh, he is for sure a second-half runner, too, because usually his numbers are not all that great in the in the first half of these games. As soon as they get into the second half, it seems as if he just starts to – it's like a thoroughbred as he keeps going. He just gains more and more momentum, and these teams are getting wore down. They're having trouble stopping him. Um, I mean, that happened with – Baltimore happened with the Patriots. I this this is just the formula. It's worked for them so far. What I see uh, this game coming down to is that can the Titans 
I think really it's going to come down to the Titans defense versus that uh, Kansas City offense. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think that it's going to the keys for the Titans if they're going to pull off the upset is to uh, really work the time of possession, um, which again that's that's their entire game is just run it down people's throats, eat up the clock, and then eventually wear down the defense and. The question I really have is that uh, do I trust Kansas City's defense to stop Derrick Henry? The answer is no. I'm calling it upset. It's going to ruin my bracket for the picks that I made for you know the, the betting pool at the office, but I'm going to say the Titans win, and they're going to be your AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Wow. Yeah. I really do think that uh, Derrick Henry, what you're going to see is it's going to be uh, – I think – Kansas City has the lead going into halftime. Tennessee keeps it close, and then they just wear him down, and Derrick Henry has two two second-half touchdowns to seal the game, and that's all she wrote. I mean, that's cool oh, if he uh, has two touchdowns, but what about uh, when Mahomes has like five or six touchdowns? I mean, like I said, it's, it's going to be close. It's going to be a close game come down to the wire, but I think Tennessee's going to just – it'll be a – a battle of attrition and they're going to eventually wear them down. And then that'll be the end of it. I, I think that this is going to be first half Kansas city, second half Titans. Okay. All right. So then on the other side of the conference, what we've got is, um, well, the review of last week's games, we had the Vikings versus San Francisco and everyone predicted this game correctly. As far as our podcast, I don't know that any of us thought that uh, the Niners were going to dominate the way they did. It was, in my opinion, other than when it was 7-7, this game was not close at all. I think that the uh, 49ers defense, like a, a couple of those pieces we talked about, Quan Alexander coming back, and then they just were hitting on all cylinders, and they came in there, shut down Dalvin Cook, and then took away the other pieces of that offense. I mean, they had everyone healthy. They had Rudolph. They had Thielen, they had Diggs, and it didn't matter. The Niners' yeah. defense, yeah, they just plugged Agreed. the holes. It, it, it was good. I, there's, I thought that they were going to win it all after watching that game and seeing them get rested and healthy. Even more so, I think the Niners are uh, – well, well, we'll save that. But I, I that Super Bowl champ, hey, mm. that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, you know, the Vikings got shut down, man. You know, Thielen was shot down as well. And, uh, yeah, Cousins did not like that. It was not a good day for him. Uh, And I I think it was just proof. You know, when he shut down the run and he put it on Cousins' shoulders, I just don't think he's the guy. I think that if the Vikings want a chance, now they have the most losses in a playoff, uh, the Vikings do, so they're horrible in the playoffs. And I just don't think Cousins is the one that's going to be able to make a difference for him. I mean, he's good, but unless they give him more weapons, uh, you know, and increase their line, uh, I just don't see Cousins as being that kind of a guy to help him out. More weapons? What What more do you need? You got Dalvin Cook's probably one of the best up-and-coming running backs. You have right. Elon is a speedster, even though people don't realize it, but he ran a 4-4 uh, at the Combine. So dude's got some wheels. Stefan Diggs is... You know, uh, big time playmaker. They got Rudolph. I mean, they've even got a good backup running back. What what more weapons does he need, Mike? I don't think Rudolph is that good. I think he's a little overrated. He's been able to get him out of jams. 
Yeah. I don't think it's so much the weapons as like how much the Vikings traveled the last two weeks. They had a hard fought game the week before. Getting rest like that to get to go play a team like the Niners. It's just a bad combination. And Diggs, if he doesn't get his way, he doesn't think the play calls are going right, his ego comes out and he starts pouting. And mm. I don't I think that played a little bit to it. He do a fit on the sideline. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when you're getting your ass kicked, I, I, I appreciate the passion, maybe. But if if you come off as like a selfish prima donna, I don't think it does your team any good. But I, I like the fact that he cared. I mean, because sometimes a lot of these superstar players, um, I don't necessarily know if I'd put Diggs in that caliber, you know, that range yet as a superstar. But in his mind, he thinks he's a superstar. So um, I think that he could have done his team some good if he focused that energy towards motivating his team versus just bitching because then that's all it is. It's just bitching. Um, you know, I, I get where he's coming from. They stopped throwing the ball to him. And uh, when they did throw the ball to him, he didn't really do much. So, I mean, credit to the Niners defense. Uh, it, it was a good game, good game to watch. Wasn't really close of all the games. I, I think it was the least competitive game of, of all four. Yep. I agree. Yeah. And then, so Let's uh let's get to the next game. The other NFC matchup was the uh Green Bay Packers versus the Seattle Seahawks in Green Bay, Lambeau Field, Frozen Tundra. Mike. Oh yeah. Thoughts on this game. Well, I just want to say, you know, Packers all season have not blown anybody out. Every win has been kind of an ugly win, grinding win. Um so that's just to kind of play that the Packers have this year. Um, I was happy going into the lead uh, with what we had, but man, playing uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks is always nerve wracking. I started having flashbacks to 2014 in the fourth quarter because the offense was getting stronger. Russ was running around the defense. It was looking bad, Uh, but time was on our side. And uh, man, it was really good to get that win. Uh, I'm saddened that we had such snow that I couldn't go to work for three days and rub it in more, but uh, it was good. You know, Rogers had 243 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Jones, he had two touchdowns, only 62 yards. And then Devonte Adams, that's the big one. Eight catches, 160 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think oh, man. he's he going to have that him. success against San Francisco, but uh, he had a huge day. They just could not figure out how to cover him. I was shocked, honestly, that they weren't double covering him more. Uh, I don't know what kind of defense or what the defensive scheme was planned for that. But, man, we only had one really good receiver, and they just couldn't cover him. Yeah, one of the key pieces, uh, I think uh, Allison got knocked out. And do you know any update on whether or not he's going to be able to come back this next game, or is he still on the injury list? or what? Still on the injury. And then the other one is Lazard. Number 13, the big receiver, he had an ankle injury, and he got pulled out in the second quarter and never came back. He's a big-body receiver we have that's been starting to step his game up. Yeah, so. definitely, definitely. No, it was definitely a good game. I don't like the outcome of it, obviously. Of course, most people are going to go to the the fourth, the fourth down with Jimmy Graham. Right. The only thing that I would like to have seen from that is them at least spot the ball, get the chains out. That didn't happen. Right. Um, the game shouldn't have been off of one play. I don't like Pete Carroll's decision on those fourth and ones. I mean, we're in the playoffs. we got to start risking it. Mm. 
What, what, what are you referring to? The fourth and one when he punted it? We had, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, mean, I was kind of shocked too. I think we were 31st in the league on trying on fourth downs. Well, I mean, he's definitely an old school coach. He's pretty conservative when it comes to that sort of thing, uh, which is weird though, because they have such success with the running game, regardless of who's in their backfield. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they don't go for it more. I agree with you that they should. I think it's just Pete Carroll's philosophy is uh, he values well, uh, right around, field position over possessions. So I think I think his decisions are based on how fresh that bubblicious gum is in his mouth. If it's a really fresh piece of gum, he's feeling risky. If it's an old, worn-out piece of gum he's been chewing on for a while, I think he makes bad decisions. Well, I mean, that's it's interesting you mentioned that because it's been the same piece since 2015. <laughs> that's probably why they don't go for it anymore. Well, and then the other thing, too, is you start playing against – you get to this point of the season, you're playing great offenses and defense for the most part. If you don't have lines, it's hard to get production going. And that's – True. last three years, that's been our biggest problem, lines. Like when you say, you mean like offense and defensive line? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys do have some playmakers on the defensive line. Um, I think you got really solid uh, linebacker play between uh, Bobby Wagner's obviously, you know, getting the recognition that he deserves. Um, he is, you know, probably one of the best middle linebackers in the game. And I, I, I can't take that away from him. Uh, one guy no, he who's is the best. One guy that's super underrated is KJ Wright. I've I've always liked the guy, and you know even as as much as disdain as I have for that organization, I, I do like some of their players, um, and those two guys are are some of them. Um, I think that Diggs uh, again. I said Diggs was a big pickup. I I believe in that. I think that their uh, the game came down to a couple of key plays. Obviously, with the third down when they completed that to Jimmy Graham. After all the evidence and everything. I think it could have gone either way, honestly. I think that what determined that was the call on the field, is that there wasn't enough to overturn it one way or another. I know I've had some discussions with some Seahawks fans that definitely would not agree with that assessment, but fuck them. Hey, and how about those dimes that Rodgers threw? We may not have video for this, but I just want you to know that Tommy just became – Super restless as soon as he he got fired up. He's the same. He's wearing a Sooners jersey, and his face is the same color right now. (laughs) Hey, but how about those dimes that Rodgers threw, though, on third down, though? He had a couple Uh, of dimes he threw in there. You know, Rodgers was good enough to win this game. I got to tell you, I was not in the second half. I was not impressed by him at all. Oh, I I thought that he, he definitely started faltering a little bit. He needed to start f- just keep feeding that that rock to uh, Devontae Adams. They had not Seattle had not shown any ability to contain him whatsoever. He had that 166, and most of that was in the first half. And there was, you know, he was just dominant in this game. And it's because of there's some key pieces that Seattle was lacking in order to stop a receiver just hitting on all cylinders. And I'm gonna say this. And Tommy's going to hold it against me. He's going to bring it up later. You know, congratulations to Seattle, though. They they played a great season. And as much as it kills me to admit it, they definitely punched above their weight class the entire season. 
is my whole point was that I, I didn't believe in this team throughout most of the year. They made some key pickups throughout the year, uh, you know, credit to their front office to keep, you know, they were, they saw some holes, they addressed them, made them competitive. And then this team played way better than it had any business to. And it's, uh, my opinion is that it's, it's Russell, man. He's a difference maker, great quarterback, fucking hate him and his goddamn Jerry curl. But, uh, you know, Sierra, <laughs> Sierra, I think Sierra was the worst thing to happen to him. You know, may, maybe changed his life, made him happy. But as far as on the field, just definitely questionable decisions. But are you sure, man? He had, he had one of the best seasons he's had in his career this year, man. His stats were through the roof this year. year. Yeah, dude, and, and that's it. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for the Seattle. And instead, um, you put him on their back competed. and carried him through the season. He did. He did. I think that the um, as good of a year as Russell had, I think that Pete Carroll's coaching style and, and the run first uh, philosophy is not really – I don't think it's going to get it done, man, in the current game. I really don't. Same thing like with uh, – Would you say the same thing if it was the Titans, if he was coaching the Titans? Who, Pete Carroll? Yeah. Uh, no, because in Tennessee – That's a run first game. Well, in, in Tennessee, though, is that they, they won't tolerate such uh, flagrant uh, gum chewing. That's not my point. <laughs> San Francisco, they're a run-first team. San Francisco is a run-first team. Okay, but the strategy that he's employed is uh, – I think that people have seen it on film. They know what to expect. Game plan it, and, and you they can shut Seattle's run game down. What they can't shut down is Russell's improvisation. And when he goes there – He's one of the best at it. And it's it's really – I have had many games where I've been screaming at the TV because of Russell's ability to extend the play, yep. pull something out of his ass, and make something happen. And I think that if they took more advantage of that, if they switched their strategy and took advantage of their MVP caliber uh, quarterback, they get back to – they're very competitive. They are in a, a very tough division. Um, I think they could go over – over the top if if they uh kind of uh, ad- ad- adapted his game because you know he's one of the oldest coaches in there and he's been in coaching a very long time and I think he hasn't adapted with the game and granted their record would say different and Tommy I'm sure would say different too but I just think that his philosophy is old school and it's not working when it comes down to you know because the argument that I've heard from a lot of Seattle fans uh, especially when debating you know I've I've been accused now of being a bandwagon 49ers fan, and to which I say, huh. fuck yeah, let's win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'll take it all Get day. Out of here. Uh, but it's really, um, you know, that a lot of them say, you know, oh, well, what have you done lately? And I hear that a lot with Miami as well. And my response to that is, you guys haven't been relevant until the last decade. And even then, you guys haven't been there for, it's been five, going on five years now. So at what point? I want San Francisco to win the Super Bowl so then they can say, well, what have you done lately? And it would be five years in the past and shut all that bullshit down. That's what I want. And I'm sure E-Rock will agree with me. Yeah, I got the thumbs up. Well, Tom- I think that's just a bum argument on football. What have you done lately? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the thing with Carroll, Carroll has a great reputation of molding these young guys. Him and Schneider pick up these young guys, develop them, that nobody wanted. Said they didn't have the skill set, too small. Look what they do with them. I think that it's 
the OC that needs to change. Hmm. I think How Russell many... needs to have more control over the play calling. Because when you see it, when he gets in there, reads the defenses. I think they had a game to where they let Wilson call the entire drive and every play was perfect. They need to mm-hmm. get back to that. Okay. How many more years do you think uh, Carroll has with Seattle? Oh, he's the Betty White of football. Yeah. We got 30 years left. God, I hope not. What about Wagner? How many more years do you think he can play at this level? I mean, he Two was three. he was playing at this level when you guys had the Legion of Boom. He's maintained a high level of play for many years. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got probably two or three more good years out of him. That sounds Pretty about cool. right. Yeah. I mean, you know, Wagner, I think I think Wagner is I mean, he's been a top linebacker for years, and he's going to be in discussion with great linebackers uh, just because he's been so consistent in his play year after year. He's led the league in tackling two years in a row. Right. It's incredible. Yeah, he's definitely incredible. a good player. I, and like I said, as, as much as I don't like that organization, I really, I'm really i a big fan of Bobby Wagner. And K.J. Wright, I think he's underrated. Should K.J. Wright's been right behind Wagner the whole time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But see, what I like about uh, KJ Wright is that he has uh, stepped his game up and he's definitely a, a factor as far as coverage. Um, I've seen him make some very key interceptions, especially a couple games, you know, with the added element of uh, Jadavian Clowney adding pressure to the quarterback. Um, Would you I, hate Clowney, right? I don't hate Clowney. I hate- let's, let's just get it out in the open. Where's he going to go? Cheap-ass players, what you called him, right? Nah. <laughs> no, I said it was pick. coach. If, if, He's if, a good if player. If you really want to get into it, the root of it is that I don't like Pete Carroll. I think he was a scumbag uh, when he was with the Jets. I think he went to USC. Um, that's why he has such success is that he's, he's – Pete Carroll, as much as I don't like him to his credit, he's great at developing young players, like you said. But he's got a window in which they buy into him. And then after that window – they uh, they either buy in or they abandon the whole thing and, and figure out that he's full of shit. Richard Sherman, uh, Michael Bennett, those guys, you know, Sherman's obviously having success this year, but I don't think, you know, Michael Bennett has been really successful. Well, I mean, he's a head case, man. With, he's a head case. With Philly, right? Yeah. 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 I just think that it's it's definitely, a, you know, he, he. I don't think you can throw the Sherman and Thomas thing all on Carroll either. Because when right. their contracts are co- coming up, what did they have? Injuries. I mean, that that is true. That's true. I'll, I'll give you that. But it's it's still, you know, he abandoned as much as they abandoned the system, stopped buying into his coaching style. And once a player does that, I think they're done with the Seahawks. And he gives up on them. They're great at drafting. You know, I, I can't take that from them. They're always competitive in it. How good of a coach do you think Sean McVay is? Truthfully, I I'm not a I'm not a fan of Sean McVay. <laughs> I think Did he's you good. Take him or Carol? Uh, to coach. It depends on the team. Depends on the nucleus. Are you talking about building from the ground up, or are you talking yeah. about taking over a team? Uh, building from the ground up, I'll take Sean McVay. Uh, really? Take, taking over a current team, I'd take Pete Carroll. Hmm. I think Sean McVay's uh offense and everything is uh 
built for the future. I think that um, he's got some talented players in L.A. I don't think he's using them right, but I think he's got some talented players. Pete Carroll, though, I think you could plug him into 24 of the current teams, and he could uh, he'd have a winning season with them with those other eight. He couldn't do it. So yeah, no, I, I I recognize my bias, Tommy. I don't know if you noticed that, but when we talk about it, I know that I'm affected by it. Well, I'm just like Sean McVay constantly has talent on that team. They went to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. laid an egg. What happened this year? They missed the playoffs. Ah, man. I think Goff and is overrated. You take a, yes. a team under Carroll that's rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And he still finds ways to make the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. No, it's – I think that his style is great to make the playoffs. I don't think Carroll would be this successful without Wilson. Think Green Bay would be that successful without Rodgers? Absolutely not. All right, that's fair. No, when right. when when Rodgers went down, you guys saw Green Bay season went to crap. Yeah, it's one sure of those did. players, you know, that uh, without so that do you guys player, call Wilson Elite now. Who Wilson Elite? Yep. No, he is absolutely. Yeah, Wilson he's an elite has, quarterback. He's yeah, proven I himself. Mean, really, if you go, let's. All right, so right now, top. Who would you say your top five quarterbacks are then, Tommy? Right off the, just in the league right now or all time? In the, in the league. Well, come on, in the league right now, it's all time. All right, just making sure. It's a long discussion. In the league right now. <laughs> yeah. As much as I don't like Jackson, I don't like his attitude, and I think he showed a lot of it last week. Yeah. He's probably number two or three right now. You got Breeze, Rogers, Wilson, Jackson. Let's get Brady. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Based off his play, I would. I, my list is very similar to yours, but I'd take Brady off there. Not based off what he's done, just based off how he's playing right now. I take Brady off and I replace him with Mahomes. That's fair. Yeah, I agree with that, Brian. Yeah. All right. So with that being said, is uh, the next matchup is that was set up by these games is the San Francisco 49ers versus the Green Bay Packers. Mike, what's man. your thought on this coming matchup, man? Let's hear about it. Well, I am hopefully confident. Um, I do believe that the Packers are a different team than when we first played them. I think we've kind of figured out our offense now. I think we have a good identity of who we are and how we play and what our game plan is going to be. I think the team playing them in week 12 really gave uh, the players and coaches an idea of what we're going up against to help us better prepare for that. Uh, So with that being said, I do believe that in order for the Packers to win this game, they're going to have to strike early and they're going to have to strike quick uh, because if we have to come from behind and we're going to a one-dimensional offense, it's not going to work because I believe that San Francisco's defense is that good. So uh, we have to strike early, and we got to put them on their heels if we want a chance at winning this game. Uh, but I do like the fact that Packers are coming in as an underdog. I do believe that all the pressure is on San Francisco, and Packers can just come in as an underdog and come in and be relaxed and play a great game. And I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I do believe the Packers are going to win this game just because Rodgers is ready. I think, he, I think team chemistry is on point right now. A lot of people are counting them out, and I think it's a good place for the Packers to be right now. So 
Packers by three. Okay, so I am not as optimistic about the Packers' chances as you are. I don't know if you remember this, but last time you guys met in San Francisco, they beat you guys by, I believe it was 29, one drive 30. Um, so that's a four-touchdown game. I think it'll be closer than a four-touchdown game, but I think they beat you guys by probably, uh, realistically, no uh, bias. I really do think San Francisco is going to win this game fairly easily, and, and it's going to be by a, at least two touchdowns. Last time you guys matched up, you guys are – um, a very similar team minus the quarterback. I think obviously you guys have the advantage there. Um, I think that Aaron Jones is a great running back. I think he, he's, you know, really stepped it up this year, showed that he is legit. He's a very good player. But I think that Aaron Jones against Brita, Moster, uh, and then Coleman, I think that they kind of cancel each other out. And then if you go to receivers, Obviously, Devontae Adams better than uh, better than the receivers on San Francisco's end, but Emmanuel Sanders in that offense has been playing really well. I think that uh, George Kittle is the answer for them on on that. As far as you know, it, it, they're so similar teams, but I think in every aspect of the game, San Francisco is just a little bit better. Other than Devontae Adams, I think on the defensive side they've got a better defensive line than you guys. I think they've got better linebackers than you guys. I think they got a better secondary than you guys. So it's two two very closely matched teams where it's like a younger brother versus big brother. Um to where the younger brother knows them, or excuse me, older brother knows them. They know what to expect. They've already played each other and I just like San Francisco's chances in this game. I, I think their defense is gonna light it up. And uh Packers are gonna be in for a rough game. All right. Tommy so I'm going to take the Niners in this matchup as much as I'd like to see Green Bay upset them. I don't I don't know if Green Bay has what it takes to go up against the Niners right now. Um, Niners are tough. You guys yep. are traveling. Is it Kevin King on your defense? Yeah, number 20. Five interceptions this year? Yeah. UW if it's going to work, product. he's got to have a big game. A UW product, yeah. yep. Yep. I mean, honestly, last week wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo's game. Um, right. I don't think he's as good as everybody gives him credit for. When you've got that much talent around you, and you can dump off to Kittle, and he sheds four or five tackles for 40 yards, I mean, that's not Garoppolo. You know what I mean? Right. So I think it's going to be a long day for Green Bay. Although, Rodgers is like Wilson, never out of it. Right. And, you know, we're going to have Brian Balaga back. He's a huge veteran offensive lineman. He only played eight plays in the last game because of injury. Oh, you talking about my man Beluga? Yeah, he's going to be back, you know. Bakhtiar is going to be there. I think you're going to see a lot of screen passes from Green Bay's offense because with their pass rush, you're going to wear them down with screen passes. Get Bosa and all them running around the field like crazy, wear them out. That's yeah, my hope, it, anyways. See, and I I think you're not wrong, but I think that Bosa's motor, because he's such a young guy and he's such a uh oh man, he's he's really fast for a edge guy. I, I, I really like his play. Oh man, he's really fast. Jeez Louise. Minnesota man. tried a lot of screens too. Yeah, how'd that work? They had a lot of players yeah. blown up in the backfield. 
Sure the fuck did. Agreed, agreed. But I don't think they're as good at screens as we are. I don't think they have as good blocking receivers either. Yeah, you're probably right. But how many of your normal receivers are out? We got Lazard and then Allison. Lazard so you're saying MVS is going to make up that difference? I don't see him blocking all that well. No, Jimmy Graham is now. Yeah, let's go Graham. Number 80. Yeah. No. Traitor. Garbage. <laughs> Simply garbage. Winner. I, yes. Man, he, he was such a matchup of the week. I mean, there's only two. Green Bay games. <laughs> this is the matchup that everybody's going to want. They're going to want to see. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, like I said, is I, I picked Tennessee to win the other one. This one I picked the Niners. I think your Super Bowl is going to be Titans versus the Niners in Miami. That's, that's I'm hoping my for. I'm hoping for. Uh, shoot, what is the insurance company that uh, Rogers and uh, State Farm? State Farm. I'm hoping for a State Farm Super Bowl. <clears throat> oh, you, you you could get it too. I can see that. Happening. I know. Yeah, possible. Yeah. State Farm would love that. I think it's going to be Niners Chiefs. Yeah, Super same Bowl. here. I well, okay. I wait. You just changed your mind. Brian? Yeah, no, I'm fluid. Jeez Louise, man. <laughs> no. I, this uh, is my pick. Oh, wait, no, I agree. No, is that I want I, – I think the Titans are going to win. My office pool bracket where I bet money on has Chiefs versus Niners with the Niners winning. So if that happens, I'm not going to be disappointed. However, I think that the Titans are going to win. That's that's just what I think. Um, Diversifying your bets. Coach has to cut off his pecker, right? Who? Their coach said that he would sacrifice his pecker for a Super Bowl. Oh, no Mike Vrabel said that? Said he would cut it off. Uh, where where did this hold on? I, I need you to yeah, cite a source. I, I believe you. Do you have, did you hear this, Mike? I haven't heard that before, yeah. no. So Tommy's the only one heard it. All right, no, he's going to pull up something right now. It's going to be like The Onion. The oh. Onion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> fucking making shit up. <laughs> All right. So yes. while Tommy's looking that up, uh, so I think that we just wait. We'll, we'll give our picks on the next uh, podcast as far as after we see the games this week. I don't think we need to yep. speculate. Let's just let it play out, and then we'll go from there. Uh, so like one of the things I found very interesting, though, is that in a couple of these games where players had big-time performances, they were immediately drug-tested by the league. Uh, two examples are – real? Yeah, Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman. Uh, Is it USADA? Yeah, no, no, they immediately got drug tested. Richard Sherman, you saw his game. He had a pick. uh, Shut down, you know, uh, Thielen and Diggs. CBS Sports. CBS Sports. coach would like to offer some clarification about whether or not he will be cutting off his man. Well, see, there you go. Is Look, you know, dicks are on the line, so that's (laughs) Or excuse me, not plural, not dicks. Dick is all. <laughs> I mean, hell, even the business insider. Business insider. So Tommy is correct. This is a real thing. I'm looking at what he's looking up, and there's credible sources uh, for made-up information. So credit to Tommy for, you know, hashtag fake news, greatest invention of the 21st century. <laughs> or, excuse me. That's a Bobbit bet right there. The Bobbit <laughs> Bob it or dob it. So, so what did you think, uh, or Mike, um, with these players having big performances and having drug tests uh, right afterwards? 
you think it's incidental, it's intentional, or, or how do you feel about that? Oh, I'm sure it's intentional. I'm sure, you know, I know that they do random drug tests every week and random people get picked to do it. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they are trying to make sure that the big players are clean. Uh, last thing the NFL needs is to have one of their star players get popped for that after a huge, you know, game or something like that. I don't think we've had that recently where we've had players have a breakout year and then we find out, oh, they've been on steroids. You know, last thing I can remember. Sean Merriman, I mean, he was a great linebacker until they got popped. I think he retired two years after he got popped. So I just don't think it's something that's sustainable within the NFL. Uh, I think they do a good job of trying to track down. I mean, I know that now they can smoke weed and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's good. I think it's good to make sure that they're clean. Although, you know, there's mixed feelings on whether this athlete should be allowed to do steroids or not. It's a whole nother discussion, but... it wouldn't surprise me if they were targeted just to make sure that they're on point and staying clean. I think the league is trying to do their due diligence. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> so the standard is that during any given uh, matchup that uh, there'll be 10 players per team randomly targeted. So I guess, you know, the, the odds are that 10 out of 53, you know, it's like just slightly under 20%. Um, so the fact that they get honestly, I I think that the big names coming out talking about it, uh, saying that they're being targeted is just, uh, just them making headlines, man. I don't really think it matters. Sure. Um, one of the things I do think matters is like if the NFL and Roger Goodell and all those guys get an agenda against somebody, I definitely think they're going to get popped more more often. Uh, because what it was is that when uh, Eric Reed one of the players that was kneeling with Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco, when he finally got a team with uh, the Carolina Panthers, he played in 11 games that first season. And out of those 11 games, he got uh, randomly, and I'm using the air quotes that you can't see, Hmm. randomly got tested in seven of those 11 games. The percentage of him being one of the 10 of the 53 during that span to get it seven times out of the 11 games uh, the percentage was 0.17% that he would get that. I mm. I definitely think the league, because if I, if I remember correctly, I think he popped for PEDs at one point in time. So the league, mm. I think, targeted him because of the controversy with uh, Colin Kaepernick. Um, they were, they probably thought he was going to piss hot again and just started doing it. And then, you know, that's just, that's just my opinion. I think Russell and, uh, Sherman's performances getting popped for those tests. I just think that was just a uh, coincidental. Just coincidental. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that Eric Reed's a couple of years ago were a hundred percent intentional. I think it was the league targeted him for that controversy. And, uh, you know, well, he was doing Adderall, right? He got popped for Adderall. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely popped for something. And, you know, Tommy, pro- you remember what it was? Yeah. They're, pro- they're protecting his, pro- their product, you know, this, uh, the NFL, I know there's several people I know who stopped watching the NFL altogether because of the controversy with Colin Kaepernick and then, you know, Eric Reed right. being associated with that. They're protecting their product. They want, you know, they just want the uh, play on the field to be their product that they advertise and they don't want the political messages and all that stuff. But, you know, it's, man, it was, what, 2017 at the time, 2016? 2016, I think. Yeah, 2016. It's a sign of the times, man. You can't 
I think that they handled it wrong. I think that they could have went in a completely different direction with Colin Kaepernick, but he's not on the team. And truthfully, I think he's relevant to social causes, not relevant in the NFL. I think if you stuck Kaepernick in at the Cleveland Browns, they'd be more successful. Definitely. Tommy's getting ready to walk out. He's taking the glasses (laughs) off, rubbing his face. That was not a popular opinion with them. So, so what do you? How do you feel about these drug tests? Um, I think that even this week and leading up to Super Bowl, that you're going to see a lot more of them. Um, I don't. I'm not saying they're correlated because they're two different deals, but the MLB is under a lot of scrutiny right now for cheating. And I think that there have been scandals with Goodell, and he doesn't want anything coming back to him. I mean, I guess to an outsider that doesn't really watch sports, you see the way that these guys perform as opposed to the other players, you might think that they're on something. Yeah. I mean, it's always a possibility. There's there's too many people pissing hot for it to just be like a conspiracy against one person. Um, I do think Eric Reed was targeted, but it's it's necessary, man, to keep it uh you know competitive and everybody on a level playing field. They they gotta do what they gotta do, man. I, I believe in their program. I think ten random is fine. Um you know it, well I mean whether I think anything about it or not, that's in the, the CBA, so that's just the way shit rolls. They even hit the Hmm. College kids hard this year. Yeah, they did. Hmm. All right, so one of the surprises uh, that, yeah. that I found this week. Oh, sorry, Mike. Did you have more? No. So one of the surprises I found this week was that uh, one of my favorite players, and you know, Tommy made the argument that Bobby Wagner, what is the best middle linebacker in the league? I would counter with Luke Keekley um, as being. On par, in my opinion, a little bit better. But again, that might be my Seahawks bias. But I think that he was one of the best players. He's at 28, which, um, you know, he had his rookie contract. Then he got his, uh, you know, prove it deal. Well, not prove it. Proved it deal. And then he could have got one more big deal out of it. But instead, Luke Keekley elected to walk away from the game and just retire. You know, he, he cited a couple of... Uh, couple of concussions. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a, a game where he had a concussion. I, I think it was against the Saints maybe, but he um, he got knocked down. And when he came to, uh, started crying. Yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, uh, one of those moments where for me, it was personally pretty hard to watch because I like him. He was a good player. And when he came to, it was like he was confused. He had a bunch of emotions. Yeah, he was scared. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and you know what is having um, drank too much and and ended up somewhere where I don't remember how I got there. I felt Keekly's pain. <laughs> so it's totally the same thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Being surrounded by sixty thousand people. Yeah, absolutely the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate your criticism, but I just know waking up somewhere and I don't know how I got there. That's scary. And then on top of that, obviously the anxiety of sixty thousand people. Yeah. So, I mean, you helped my point, even though you were trying to be a dick about it. So thank you, Mike. (laughs) 
No, but I, yeah, I honestly I'm here think for that Kukli is right there with uh, Wagner. Who? Kukli. Kukli? Kukli. <laughs> great Kukli great. <laughs> Moogly. <Julia. laughs> but I think the problem is, is he's in a small little market. Doesn't get the exposure that most other teams get, you know? And um, E-Rock just confirmed it was uh, New Orleans in 2016. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that uh, he's walking away at a good time. I, I, you know, he knows the the uh, consequences of of the uh, concussions and seen and heard all the stuff about CTE. I think that uh, he's a smart individual. I think he's done what he wants to do in the league, and he wants to keep himself sane for his wife and family. Uh, you know, I mean, he had a thousand ninety two total tackles, eighteen interceptions, twelve and a half sacks. It's a good career. It's a good career. Um, I don't know if it's Hall of Fame worthy, but it is a good career. Um, and I think that he is a smart guy. He probably took care of his chickens and now he's going to walk away. Yeah. But I do think you'll still see him around in some aspect. I mean, he'll he'll probably be a coach or something. I don't think he'll be an announcer on TV, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him on the sidelines helping somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Uh I, is my experience and seeing him, you know, in these games as far as a player. And then when they've interviewed him afterwards, very likable guy. So I think you're right. I think we'll see him in some, maybe not broadcasting, but definitely some sort of uh, coaching. I think he understands the game of football, plays it at a, a level that's admirable. Um, I, and his numbers total, maybe not Hall of Fame worthy, but while he was in the league, I think it's definitely Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, I mean, you can make the same argument with uh, Jim Brown. Jim Brown only played 10 years, but, you know, still made the Hall of Fame, had, you know, all sorts of records. If he played the same amount of time as some of these other guys like Emmett Smith and all them, uh, even Walter Payton, he would have uh, surpassed them easily uh, if he just kept on the same pace. So, And then, you know, yeah. There's been a string of these guys that keep going out. There's been Rob Gronkowski. He went out at a similar age. You know, Luke Keekley's 28. Rob Gronkowski was, when he officially retired, was 28, I think. But I think he might have been 29. But, um, you know, the dangers yeah, you- are, are uh, because they're learning more about it. These guys are worried about their future. And they should be, man. If, if he, he yeah. played his ass off for eight years. Uh, I would have liked to see him get a Super Bowl. You know, props to him if he decided this time to walk away. I think it definitely puts the Panthers in rebuild mode, though. Um, I don't know. Yeah. If, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Newton's not a Panther next year. Are you guys? Oh yeah, me either. Are you guys surprised in the difference of receptions that Luke got with his retirement to Andrew Luck? Well, I think Andrew Luck got bashed oh. on. <clears throat> Well, he sure did. He got booed. Well, see, here's the thing is Luke Keekley's retirement's coming after um a lackluster season. Uh Indianapolis the year the year before was a playoff team, won a playoff game, and then got eliminated in the divisional round. Um he let them draft, he let them go through mini camp, he let them get almost you know, to the preseason, then decided to retire. Luke Keekley's doing it before all that process. So, yeah, no, I, I think uh, uh, a lot of the backlash from Andrew Luck retiring was, um, you know, fantasy-related, too. 
There's a lot of people that are. Well, I think true. Yeah, I, I think mean, Ian up mental health. That's a big problem right now, especially yeah. with these injuries these guys get. I mean, look at later on in their life. Look at Antonio Brown. That guy got hit one too many times. <laughs> I, you know, what's yeah. funny is I was reading something. Is uh, I think uh, back in the playoffs uh, a couple years ago when he got knocked out, but it was Avantes hit Avante or Burfey hit perfect. him perfect. Yeah, hit him with that questionable. Well, not even questionable. He just fucked him up in the middle of the field. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah. that, I think and I think Antonio Brown is a prime candidate for CTE. I think since that hit, he hasn't been the same man. I think you could when they look point. back, they'll be like, from this moment on, this guy was questionable and been unreliable since then. Right. Yeah. Going back to Andrew Luck, though, I do feel that he was done dirty in the fact that Ian Rappaport leaked the fact that he was intending on retiring. So he didn't get to make the announcement. The announcement came out and the fans heard about it before he was even able to make a statement about his retirement. And so the way the news came out, I don't think it was justice for him. It wasn't fair to him. But, yeah, I do believe, though, that the reaction is very different, though. Very different. Yeah, yeah, I think he could have uh, positioned the Colts a lot better if he if he was considering that. I think he should have announced it before the draft, man. That that I think Luke Keekley's yeah. announcement was at the right time. I think Rob Gronkowski End last year after yeah. the Super Bowl, that was a good time for him, man. Uh, I think Andrew yeah. Lux, you know, the the team, the organization, the fans, they were committed to him. And he was like, oh, wait, this is hard. I'm worried about my health. Bye. You know, that's that's a shitty yep. pill to swallow because it wasn't even the first preseason game. It was, right. I think it was like the second or third one. But I remember when we Brett were Favre doing, him. Yeah. When we did our draft, um, one of the individuals uh, in the draft, back-to-back picks, one was Andrew Luck, and then the next round was Lamar Miller. That's right. <laughs> Within an hour. Andrew Luck announces retirement and then Lamar Miller gets injured for the season in that preseason game. And um, yeah, it was, uh, I, I don't have a more memorable moment other than winning the championship in multiple leagues, uh, <coughs> being more memorable than that moment. <laughs> right. <on. laughs> well, how did you finish in the league this year, Tommy? Second. Second? Yeah, no, that's respectable, but still not the champion. Neither were you. As long as you weren't, I'm cool. So I can see how it's right. <laughs> you know what? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Eileen winning the championship in our league. I got a trophy for you. I'm going to drop it off. I'm going to put my initials on it. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs to sign. <laughs> Mike, uh, and, and just, you know, not to bring up the fantasy, but I, we definitely have that sign for you for your car. We're going to give that to you here in a hot second. All right, so can't wait. You guys have anything else for the NFL this week? Nope. Nope. All right, so moving on. I'm excited. We got um, college football. Both myself and Mike picked Clemson to win this game based off the fact that they had been here before and they had the experience. And it turns out we both don't know shit about college football. Tommy, however, nope. picked LSU because uh, they beat. They tore us up. Yeah. They tore Oklahoma up. Tore Oklahoma up. But, <clears throat> so I think a lot of 
national attention to Clemson was they had a good shot to beat LSU. They were if, winning. They were winning. Right. <laughs> just, just like Houston was beating the Chiefs. Exactly. But my point is they haven't faced a team like LSU all year. Look at their ranked opponents besides that semifinal game. They uh <laughs> sorry. Uh they haven't played anybody that was really worthwhile. So Clemson or LSU was a complete team all the way around. Yeah. You can't stop those those receivers are huge. Those linemen very physical. Jefferson. Jefferson's a good player. I would have taken LSU against the Dolphins. You'd have been wrong. Oh, no, Fitzmagic ain't having this shit. Let me tell you, is right now at this point in time, Fitzmagic is uh, greater than Joe Burrow's right now. Well, Call Burrow him. goes to the Bengals. It's still the same thing. <laughs> well, you know, I've heard a couple of rumors that the uh, Dolphins are working on a trade to trade up to that first pick. Uh, granted, they, you know, historical organization. I've, I'm trying to limit my shout outs to the Dolphins, but I can't help it. Is that, uh, you know, once they threw Fitz in there, they played like a team that didn't know they were supposed to be like historically bad. Like they, that was the is this is going to be the worst team ever, blah, blah blah, and then they end up winning fucking five games. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, it was it. It hurt my soul. I they every Wait, one of those. Are you wins. hurt? Or are we celebrating five wins? No, I'm not. I, I'm not <laughs> celebrating that at all. Is that we should have. Uh, tanked, should have tanked, and just got that first pick. But I don't believe in Joe Burrows. I, I, I he had a great game, and he led his team to that championship. Came back, but I just that kid has had a legendary season in yeah, college football. Yeah, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Taylor. Damn, who? Who's the only? Uh, I can't remember his Quarterback name. Quarterback for Clemson. He's a, he's a guy who won the. One of the few people to win the Heisman twice, I think out of Ohio State, um, running back like back in the day. Oh, shit. What's his name? Uh, first person to get it. <laughs> Number eight. I don't know. <laughs> no, he, he was a running back. Um, I keep wanting to say Archie Manning, but I know that's not right. That's 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 definitely wrong because that's the Manning. Archie Griffith. Dad. Ar- Archie Griffin. Archie Griffin? Yeah. Yes, Archie Griffin. He is college yes. football's only two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Right. Yeah. Fantastic couple of seasons. Fizzled out in the NFL, didn't do shit. That's I, – I, I'm i sorry. Well, look at Ron Dane. Yeah, see? That's what I'm saying. Heisman or not having one good season as a – if he had two or three good seasons as a, uh, as a starter, I, I might believe in him, but I think he had this season – was a good season for him. You know the difference between your comparisons? What? One was in the 70s. <laughs> there wasn't as many regulated rules as there are now. That's what, which, you know, hey, is I I will eat my words if next year uh, Joe Burrows comes out, lights it up. But if he's a Bengal, do I don't believe if he goes to the Bengals, I think he's gonna have a tough go of it. Do you think that's he's gonna ride the pine? I'm honestly tired of seeing these college kids come up and put under the pressure to start day one. Yeah, I, think I agree. They need a year or two to sit, learn the systems, how it actually works, then put them in. 
Okay. Hold Not everyone's a Peyton Manning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you you think that if he went to the Bengals, uh, sitting like maybe a, a season, season and a half behind uh, Andy Dalton? Red good? Rocket? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i uh, anti-ginger both uh, in people and in uh You should be comments. happy, though. You guys are going to get Tua. No, I, I – man. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's a different. That's a different discussion. We're gonna have a draft draft day episode. This is not it. I have so much to All say right. about that. I'm. A, I am going to uh, do like Elsa and let it go. All right. Well, let's talk about OBJ then. <laughs> All right. Yeah. OBJ. Let's, let's mark that and take that out. That he's gonna let it go. I want to hear go, this again. Let it go. Can you pour <laughs> me another drink? So, OBJ after the game. On the sidelines. Well, not even after. During. Oh, was it during it the was game? During, yeah. Handing out the money. Yeah, but the handing out cash. Yeah, another incident after the game. But we were let let's focus. Yeah. To the cash. Did he know how much he was handing out? Did you no, hear? He was just dropping bills on him, man. Uh, first and foremost is that uh, you know he's got that big contract from the Giants, and then he got a you know yep. payday from the Browns. Yep. He was passing out money to the players on the LSU sideline during that game. Uh, obviously, that's a NCAA um, violation. violation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no question about it. Is at first though, is uh, the thing that I found interesting is that the school and OBJ said, "Oh, they were all counterfeit." You know, see, we were just talking about Joe Burrows. Here's one of the reasons why I don't like this guy is that he went on record and said, no, these bills were 100% real. Uh, It no longer matters to me because I'm not going to be playing college ball anymore. First and foremost, if we didn't learn anything (laughs) from Takeshi69 is snitches get stitches. I don't want the guy taking the reins from my franchise, and I say that as if I'm an owner, but whatever, Uh, to be a freaking snitch, man. It's like this guy, Mm. no loyalty. As soon as it didn't affect him, he was like, yeah, yeah, no. Hey, this guy was handing out bills, man. I'm just mad that he didn't give me more. That's hmm. I, that's not the type of person. So that's there's two issues. Is that OBJ being foolish, foolish enough to do that, and then Joe Burrows uh, being a MFing snitch. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> no, it was Monopoly money. Nope. I actually went and bought a new car with no, it. No, it's real. It's like, I, I just would, because I'm about to go to the bank in a second. I want them to know this ain't Monopoly money. Deposit <laughs> that in accountant 142897. <laughs> right. I want to know how much Odell showed up to the game with. How much cash was he calling, hauling around in his fanny pack? Uh, dude, he was just dropping them. Dude, it was a lot. I don't think he cared. It's crazy. Well, I'm sure he does, and yeah. that's pocket change for him. Not the point, 10 G's, though. no big deal. It's like 10 bucks. How do you feel about it, Tom? So then, yeah. I'm not. <laughs> oh, a, I have a, a hard deep time exhale. With... <laughs> well, because it kind of goes back. If you don't like this, then you're not going to support the NCAA players getting paid. Hmm. Um, which, honestly, in my realm, I think they are getting paid already. They're getting full hmm. ride scholarships. Some of them, yes. Look at the boosters around them. Getting pretty much handed whatever they want. You know what I mean? 
<clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, I don't, the, I don't think they should be. It shouldn't be. I don't know how to say this. They should not be getting federal money for this. Oh, Tommy's. You look is. We're not worried so much about their FAFSA and their student loan. <laughs> what I'm more worried about is that. All right, so that that's actually was going to be one of the things that we were, I was going to bring up a little bit later. Um, I would like to just stick with OBJ because of his ridiculousness, but college players getting paid, yes or no. But OBJ, interestingly, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the video, in the locker room there was a security guard talking to one of the LSU players, and then OBJ came up behind him and just gave him that little whack just gave him the football. That was a police officer. Uh, no, it was a security guard. It was a male security guard. Yeah, male, oh, was a male it? security no. guard. Yeah, he gave him the old football slap right in the cheeks, and then uh, the guy didn't seem so affected by it. He seemed a little bit taken back by it, but after that, he just went back to talking to the player. But now uh, the story is that the uh, New Orleans, New Orleans police have issued yeah. an arrest warrant for OBJ. Uh, regarding this because the um, male security guard filed uh, charges against him because of this. So, I mean, it's – what can you say? OBJ is just having a rough go in this offseason. It's going to get settled out of court. Right. But I do find it funny that OBJ said that he thought it was just a male stripper. <laughs> so well, the teams win. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. That's funny. So, like, uh, one of the things I found interesting is that a lot of people are like, are you serious? You know, he was just celebrating. I don't think he meant anything negative by it, but the other thing is it's one of the things in our society nowadays, though, is that, uh, you know, equality is a big staple of our current, uh, you know, political, societal environment. And should the male security guard have filed like sexual harassment charges against him is really the question. I think, uh, you know, people wanted equality. Here you go. I think he's a hundred percent justified in doing that. Um, because our system's designed for people when they see something, uh, you know, something happened to him. If it was, uh, you know, someone without money, I don't think anything comes of it. OBJ obviously was handing out them hundred dollar bills and he didn't pass the security guard a couple of them. So that's why we're here is instead of him getting those couple hundred dollar bills, he's probably going to get a couple thousands, uh, maybe even more. So that's, you know, that that's the result is that he's with the way that the system is set up. He's justified in doing it. And I dude, go for it. If if for some security guard number five, if this makes it to you, I want you to know you have my support to go. Don't don't make it five digits. Let's go for six. Let's go one hundred fifty. Uh, OBJ's got it, obviously. Um, Get paid. Yeah, I, I support you 100%. Uh, hashtag you too. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, also, though, I do think it also just shows, you know, the mentality of star athletes. They can just kind of do whatever they want and get away with it. Right, but uh, but OBJ is a good player. Fucking idiot. OBJ is the next Antonio Brown. needs to make better. <laughs> He's the next think so? He's CTE in elementary. He might be. I <laughs> hit too hard. He might be. All right, so then circling back is uh, so the college players, should they get paid 
yes or no. Tommy seemed to have a lot to say about this. Tommy, I'm going to let you open this up. Should the college uh, players get paid? I know you said that um, you feel like they're already kind of getting paid between the boosters and their scholarships. Do you have anything to add to that? Or, well, I mean, <clears throat> when they go to these bowl games too, look at what they re- receive at these bowl games. Uh, gaming consoles, Gucci bags. You want to go buy one? Or you want to get one for free? I mean, these guys are already getting paid to play. The goal is right. use this platform for the NFL. And that I think that this is going to break the college system even more than the playoffs have. Because now these guys don't make the playoffs. They hold out bowl games. Right? Right. And I, I think it's just going to hurt it even more. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mike, how you feel about this one, man? I agree with Tommy. I think it's going to mess it up more. I think, you know, the purpose of college is to go get an education. If you can play sports and show that you're an elite athlete and make it to the professional leagues, then, hey, that's awesome. But the main intent of going to college is to get an education, get a degree. And I think paying the college athletes is going to take away from the main goal. And it's just going to make it a minor league for the NFLs. And uh, I agree. It's just going to change the whole college system. And I don't think it'll be for the better. So I say no. However, I will say the only one thing that I would say that I would say that I would be open to a conversation about is possibly uh, jersey sales. Tommy cringed a little bit at that. Uh, No jersey sales at all or? Oh, I mean. You have a Sooners jersey on 14 Sam Bradford? Right. Okay. You don't think he should get a percentage of that jersey that you just? No. Okay. Why? Okay, I'll make it simple. When you think of college football, what do you think of? Uh, what teams? Well, I mean, Ohio State, SEC. I, me personally, UW, a bunch of the Pac-12 teams. Right, but when you think of marketing, where are these players at? They're at the big power, the big schools. schools. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and I think with going to happen is you're going to have these littler schools like Boise State, who's upset us, not have a chance at these star players because these star players coming out of high school are going to go, I want to go here because this is where I'm going to get my branding and where I'm going to make my money. Right. Right. But I mean, one of the things that happens behind the scenes is a lot of these big time players that end up going to these smaller schools is usually because of eligibility. They go to uh, JUCO. You know, a, a lot of them make their way up through the system because they didn't put in the work in high school, weren't eligible, and had to go a different route. So, yes, you're right. I see your point, but I'm also saying that there's a different route. Um, so neither one of you are in support of this. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by this. Uh, I did not think that was going to be your guys' answer. I thought we would be in consensus on this. I think that the college athletes should – I think that a certain percentage of – those schools uh, profits from this, which is not in the millions, it's in the billions between TV deals, advertisement, um, you know, the, the apparel, all that. I think that uh, they should get a percentage of that and it should just be evenly dispersed. I know there's bigger players. It should just be, all right, so there's your, you made a team, you make this percentage, boom, we're giving you this. And because, you know, they're, um, I don't support like 
uh, amateurism, the way that we treat it in the States anyways, whether it be college football, the Olympics, all of that, a lot of these, uh, it makes it hard for our athletes in America to compete with these other nations because of the amateurism. Uh, you know, they're basically state sponsored, whether it be money, training, you know, they don't have to have real jobs, but our athletes are expected to compete at that, you know, top of the line level because that's what we expect. But they can't make any money, can't do the endorsements, all of that. Um, and I just don't think it's fair to them because a lot of these guys, you know, you're talking about these guys, they're using it as a platform to go to the next level, which those guys I get, they're going to make their money down the road. But what about the guys who are just like walk-ons or, you know, partial scholarship players, all that? They make these schools billions of dollars. And I don't think it should be, I'm not saying, a, you know, like a pro level contract amount of money. I just think it should be a, some sort of stipend, uh, help them with school and the expenses in addition to their scholarship, because not all of them are full scholarship athletes. Um, I just think that they, yeah, no, they, they could definitely, the NCAA is an oppressive organization and they're bent on uh, taking advantage of that amateurism for these athletes. And I think that they have unreasonable rules and expectations of them. And I just think that, uh, it's going to, ch- it's, it's going to change. And when that change comes, I think it's less that it's going to change the game. Like you fear, I think it's more that it's going to be something that how do they handle it? Because the change is coming. I just want to see them do something smart with it, help these guys set these guys up long-term and then go from there. Take care of the chickens. You're a, you're a father, right? Yes. Okay. Your son goes to school for football. Okay. You as a parent, what is your focus on with your kid? Is Academics education? or football? What? If your kid says, I'm going to go here and his focus is on the money mm-hmm. and not the academics, what are you going to do? What's your stance? Well, I want him to do both. You're going to college. Your academics are first. Not it's, true. The, it's, the same, it's the same way in high school. That's what they're taught in high school, middle school. You don't pass, you don't play. Okay. But now you're going to yeah. reward them in the college. For generating lots and lots of revenue. For Have you seen school? the facilities these guys got? Yeah. I mean, these, Top notch. these facilities are like little towns for these guys. I mean, they walk in, they've got bars of whatever they want to eat, shakes. State-of-the-art training facilities, rehab facilities, indoor fields, plus outdoor fields. I mean, it's not like the college is just taking all the money and not doing anything with it. These guys are getting pampered. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, I I agree that they definitely reinvest in their own uh, athletic programs, but... I think with the amount of money that's at stake and the amount of money that they're making, they can afford to break them off a little bit. That's just my opinion. You know, take it as is. I didn't know I was going to disagree with both of you guys on this. Do you pay some players? Oh, no. All of them. The same amount? Yeah. Yeah. So you sit on the bench and I'm starting and I make as much as you? Well, maybe. Okay. So if we're really going to go into like the payment structure is it? Totally different conversation. This is what I'm saying. This is not going to work. Well, I honestly, so if, if you were to ask me, I think that you base it on uh, 
year of eligibility. So if they're like a redshirt freshman or all that, I think that the way to do it would be if you're a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you it, it obviously progresses as you've been at the program longer. If that's where you're at, you get this amount of money, you know what to expect, and that's that. Now, I'm not I'm not talking, like I said, not a pro-level contract or anything like that. I'm just saying something to, uh, you know, if, if the athletes have student loans or stuff like that, I, I don't. I don't see any harm in breaking them off. These guys are making enough money to do it. And they make enough every year. It could be in the budget. They might have to give up, you know, well, a couple of those squat racks. Brand new rogue rogue plates. They'd be all look, right. We know we know that the universities are businesses and they're trying to make money. Like, I mean it. It's a business. Schools are not there just for charity. So, yeah, they're very successful businesses, and they have a good marketing uh, scheme, a good uh, a good way to capitalize on their athletes. Um, but I do feel also that these athletes know what they're getting into when they sign up to play this game. True. I mean, they know that they could have a season-ending injury, and that's happened, and it's unfortunate. But to get to this path to get to NFL, would you get – money, fame, and riches, you have to go through the gauntlet. And that gauntlet tends to be college football. And that kind of separates uh, the top players from the not-so-top players. And that's just kind of the way that the system seems to work. And I don't think that uh, paying the athletes is going to help anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no other industry um, currently that's successful where they have uh, basically unpaid labor to generate as much money as the NCAA and all these schools do, uh, be, with the exception of maybe Apple and their sweatshops. That's it. <laughs> Nike. So they have <laughs> an average fair market value of college football players, right? And it's based off of the NFL's collective bargaining agreement. In three years, Texas has made $120 million. Not billions, $120 million. Well, I mean, I was saying collectively, but please continue. Okay. So each player on the Texas roster roster is worth 666000 Alabama is less of 545000 Give 1%, six, 6600 Uh It's 47%. No, I'm saying you said they're worth 660000 a piece. If you gave them 1% of that, it'd be 6600 Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm I'm saying thousands. I'm not saying tens of thousands. I'm saying thousands. So the average team makes twenty nine point five million a year. Okay. In the average, what the players worth, one hundred and sixty three thousand. Right. Give them three percent of that, and you got almost five thousand. Maybe. Still not buying it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, but that's okay though. Is that <laughs> I think that it's a. Uh, is I'm I'm talking like single digit percentages for these players of what they're worth per player. I mean that's some of them are worth more, sure, but if you make it equal for all of them, you know it's there's no system of government or anything else that where everything was equal and it hasn't worked out. Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> hmm. All right, so um, you you got anything to add to that or? Are you good with the? I, I, I obviously Tommy's 
against, much <coughs> against, and I'm for, but that's neither here nor there. So um, I would like to, unless you guys had anything else to bring up about college, I'd like to move on to the UFC. We're almost to that event. It's, you know, 2, two o'clock on Saturday, the 18th right now, so it's before the fights. We made our predictions. West Coast. And uh, now I'd like to hear Tommy's. Um, but in the meantime, I'm going to let Tommy start. So, Mike, when did you guys make your picks? <laughs> last week. Uh, last week. Do you remember who you picked? Yeah, I remember. Uh, yes. So, the, uh, well, the first the fight. Card, guys. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, the first fight, the Anthony Pettis versus Carlos Ferreira. Uh, I picked Carlos to win that fight. And I believe uh, Brian picked Anthony to win that fight. So we were split. So Split right down the middle. I'm going to have to go with Pettis on this one. Um, okay. He's that guy that, to me, he's that explosive just enough. surprises me a lot. I've, I've picked okay. against him more okay. often than not, and I paid for it. Are you hoping he can pull off one of those jump-off-the-cage spinning kicks? Possibly. <laughs> I mean, what? That was a pretty incredible, incredible kick. Nine losses. Yes, he is twenty-two and nine. Carlos is sixteen and two. So I picked Carlos. Carlos Ferreira from Brazil. Ferreira from Brazil. I picked Carlos because uh, I think uh, you know the fighters from Brazil. They come in. They're going to grind. They're going to take you down. They're going to beat you up. And I don't think Pettis is going to have an answer for it. Yeah, my pick was just based off the fact that in his last eight fights, it goes win loss, win loss. Pettis, and, Pettis. and in this one, he lost to Nate Diaz, so he's due a win. That was the only only basis I had. I, I liked Ferrez last fight. He was dominant in those two rounds. And then after that, just kind of faded and coasted. And again, I hate that. <laughs> I want you to win. Mm. Right. So you pick Pettis? All right. Pettis or? I pick Pettis. All right, so two Pettis, one for Ferrez. Oh, let we do got to make a statement too, though, to to let everyone know that if you don't know that Claudia Gadella fight got pulled off the card, it did, and that's it no longer uh, happening because the other gal came in what five and a half pounds, six Russell, pounds over. Yeah, yeah. So and so they, Gidelia, uh, they said that it wasn't uh, she couldn't fight. Yeah, Gadella made weight. Always the professional came in there, you know, and she looked. She looked depleted. She looked very dehydrated for it, but she still did her job and made weight. Grasso is going to have a, a real tough time convincing Dana to put her on the main card again. I think she's probably not even going to go preliminary. She's probably going to go fight pass or whatever. So do you think Pennington's going to be all age tonight? Oh, oh yeah. That's that's uh, down the line. But, yeah, I, both of us picked Pennington to be home. Both of us. You know, You know, this is a rematch. Right, you know they fought before. It was a split decision, right? Right, right. Oh, between Pennington so, and uh, Holly, Holly, and Holmes. Okay, so who who yeah. won that fight? Holly. Yep. Uh, well, I think they're on different trajectories right now. I think Pennington's on the way up, and I think I agree. Holly's on the way out. But I think Holmes has maintained the same level of skill all throughout her time in the UFC, and I think Raquel is growing as a fighter. And she's got Tisha Torres as her wife, so you know they're wrestling. Heck yeah. <laughs> Uh, so in the place of that fight, they put in Brian Kelleher versus Ode Osborne. Cool. Um, I don't know anything about any of these fights. Osborne's won his last four. I was Kelleher's gonna, I was gonna say I'm gonna take Osborne because I like uh, Ozzy. His, yeah. his older, his uncle, Uncle yeah. Ozzy. 
with yeah. the endorsement. He said, hey, hey, you going to beat him? <laughs> Kelleher's. Osborne, six and two. His losses last two. I got Osborne. Yeah, mm. same. I was going to pick Osborne without knowing any of that. So, be like I said. All right. So, we all got Osborne. Sharon. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. All right. So, then we got a heavyweight fight. Alexei Olenek versus Maurice Green. Yes, Mike liked Maurice Green in this fight. I liked Olenek. Olenek had, uh, we talked about it, he had 62 years uh, in-ring experience. Roughly, <laughs> uh, really though, he has over 70 fights. Um, won the majority yeah, of them. Yeah, 57 and 13 and then, with yeah. one draw. And then uh, Maurice Green's, I think, is 8-4. 8-3 eight and four. Eight and three right eight now. 8-3, 8-4, 8-4. Eight and four, eight and four. Uh, but he has, you know, legit knockout power. Um, I just think that Olenek's experience is going to be the difference. Olenek's last two fights have been losses by TKO or KO. Cool. Still going to win. Yep. No. Maurice going to knock him out. Green all the way. All right. So we got Team Green and then Team Right. Um, yep. So then the uh, and then we just talked about uh, Holly Holm versus Pennington. Uh, uh, me and yeah. Mike are agreement in Pennington. Tommy thinks Holm. Think Holm. He thinks Holm. Right on. All right. And then last but not least, our main event, we've got Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. We were split on this. I'm not going to tell you how, but you probably already know. How do you feel about this fight, Tommy? There's a reason why I brought Jameson today. Oh, jeez. And I've been drinking this. See, if you'd have said that up front, I'd have been like, fuck this bottle. (laughs) Fuck that guy. I'm taking Conor. Connor, shocker. Have you seen Connor? I don't care, man. I'll that dude that looks freaking yoked. Yeah, that's cool. That guy you know, is yoked. Stick with him to the end because it's coming up in about seven hours. I disagree, no, man. Has, I think he's gonna hours, but... Did you guys? Well, I mean, that's the beginning of the main card, but yeah, the, his fight is probably going to be in seven hours. It's cool, though. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Well, but with that being said, is have you guys? Did you guys catch the presser and the weigh-ins for uh, Cowboy and and Connor? Yep. Yeah. So the main thing is, me and Mike were in disagreement about the fact that I I think Connor is done as a fighter. Right? I think he's not hungry anymore. I don't think he's going to win any fights as in the MMA. His best bet is once he loses this fight to Cowboy, he's going to move on to fight Pacquiao, one last money grab, and then he hangs it up. That's what I think happened. I don't know. I think everybody. And I disagree, um, yes. He does have something to prove. Yeah, he has nothing to prove. Got a chip on his shoulder. Chip? Yeah, I think he's hungry. Just, I think he's hungry. He's back. No, to... that's true. I've never liked him. True, yeah. I, I I was a big Jose Aldo fan, or Jose Aldo fan, and I think that fight, I think Jose Aldo should have got an immediate uh, rematch, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, no, McGregor is, I, I just... Don't I'm not buying it, man. I he hasn't won a uh, MMA fight in over four years, and even that last win against Diaz is questionable. If you go before that, it's it's even longer. It's uh, about five and a half years. So I just don't think he has it anymore. I never thought he had it to begin with. I think that uh, when it comes down to it, Cowboy needs to. Well, it's not very uh, heroic or brave, but he needs to run for him from Connor for two rounds and then uh, wear him down three, four, five. Uh, like I said, Cowboy I ain't going to run. I could choke in the fourth, uh, but I think Connor's is very, very dangerous in those first two rounds, particularly like the first round and then 
half of the second round. He's got, you know, he's always got, he's got the touch of death in that left and he's got one of the best lefts in the game. I think that him going up a little bit in weight and looking a little bit bigger, you know, muscles take oxygen and he's already got a questionable gas tank. It's not going to do him any favors. I think it'll help his power if Cowboy game plans it correctly. Could work out for him. I'm not saying that Connor is I, – I think he has definitely has avenues to win this fight within those first two rounds. After that, I think it goes to Cowboy. But even then, if Connor does enough damage in those first two rounds, he could still uh, beat him on points as well. So Connor could definitely win this fight. I just think that everyone keeps saying, you know, he keeps looking past Cowboy. I think this fight is a lot closer than people think. I think that Cowboy um, has a reputation for not winning the big one, but uh, he definitely nobody questions his gas tank. I've never seen him gas out. I've seen him get beat up, but I've never seen him gas out. Yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to argue that. I mean, his gas tank is everlasting, but I don't think Cerrone has really grown as a fighter over the years. He's still who he is. He's a cowboy. He goes in there and fights. He's gritty. He doesn't care if he wins or loses. He just likes to fight. I think Cowboy sees this as a payday for him and his family. He's going to go out there and give it his best. And if he loses, oh, well, he made his money. He's good to go. And he'll just keep on fighting. And I, think, I just think that's how Cowboy's mentality is. I don't think he's a big game planner. I don't think he cares about the optics. He's like, hey, I'm going to get a payday for me and my family. I'm going to go out there and try to win this fight and see how it goes. Nonner's been referring to 2020 as a season for him. I think he's going to take it a lot more seriously than you think. A season of perfect clarity. I hate your Irish accent. You're you're part Irish, and I hate your accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on from that. So that's UFC 246. We're gonna we're, we'll see we'll see who's right. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to lo- to watching this. So we'll we'll see that, and then we'll talk about it next episode. And so other things going on in the MMA world. Which fighter, right? Had the best 2019? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm curious to hear. Who do you think had the best 2019, Mike? I think it was Jorge Masvidal. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah, I took yours, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, that's okay, though. We, we may be in agreement, but I want to hear why. Well, I mean, he had a huge year for his career-wise, really got himself on the map. He had three big victories over three tough opponents, and Darren Till, Ben Askren, which he destroyed and ended Ben's career, and Nate Diaz. He's got the BMF title, got a lot of momentum. After this year, he's the guy that people want to fight. I think he kind of took Connor's spot in 2019 since Connor was dealing with all his other crap. Uh, they needed a bad guy to step up and be that heel, and I think Masvidal did. Uh, he talks crap, he backs it up. He is, in a sense, similar. To Conor McGregor, which I think is why he was such a huge draw. Uh, but he talks shit, he backs it up, and he does it in exciting fashion. And I think that his stock has risen to the top. Uh, I don't think he's Conor McGregor yet, but he's up there as far as a name that people want to fight. And I think uh, 2019 was that year that brought him to that point. So best uh, best year for him, in my opinion. Okay. And... I, I really liked his year as well. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. You know, him coming into that uh, Darren Till fight, he was kind of a journeyman. Um, a number of losses on his record. Um, you know, he started off fighting the same way Kimbo Slice in those uh, backwater deals um, in backyard Florida. Yep. So for him right. to get the level of success that he's gotten so far, 
man, props to him, dude. I, I and I like the guy. He he's definitely a uh, oozing machismo. He honestly, Razor Ramon style. That's that's what he reminds me of. Yeah. Um, I I liked his 2019. The only other person, the only other one I think who might have his 2019 right there, Amanda Nunez. I think that she solidified her place as one of the greatest uh, fighters, you know, women's fighters, definitely one of the uh, greatest overall, man. She's she's a beast. She met the challenge. You know, she had Jermaine Deuteronomy, and uh, I don't know if I said that right, but whatever. Deuteronomy, geometry, that <laughs> right. can kick. Durandamine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so right. she beat her. You know, and I'm not sure if it meets the 2019 criteria. I think it might be a little bit before, but I think she beat Cyborg. Um, it's very close. Yeah, that was 2018. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's, it's right. close. You know, and she just solidified her place, man. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Man Nunez. I like her style. I, I don't think there's any of, the, any of those women fighters that can beat her right now. So that's the only one I could say competed, but I agree with you. Jorge Masvidal, I'll say Jorge Masvidal, male fighter. Uh, Amanda Yu is a uh, female fighter. Okay. So. Tommy? I I kind of err on, it's kind of a biased opinion. I don't know if he had the greatest 2019, but I think he's an underrated fighter. Uh, he's had personal issues and injuries, but I'm hoping that come April, he gets the fight with Khabib. Just Tony Ferguson. Mm. Mm. Um, that guy can hit. He's fast. Lightning strikes. And then my other one, help me out with the last name here. Henry Cejudo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the guys that you picked are, I agree that they're both on good trajectories, but I think that as far as 20, the fighters of 2019, they're both, uh, I think, pretty inactive for it. Uh, that's, that's the only... Yeah, Tony had one fight against Donald Cerrone in 19. Right, but see, the thing about Tony Ferguson, though, like if we're judging potential, um, I mean, that's down the road. But I'm going to say early, I think Tony beats uh, Khabib. Calling it now. I like that. Yeah, I think. I hope so. I mean, because if you look at all these guys recently and like in the last seven or eight fights with Tony, um, all their pictures after the fights, you know, Kevin Lee, Donald Cerrone. Uh, yeah, dude, they look, they're not the same after these fights. Um, they step in there with El Kukui, the boogeyman, and he, he doesn't just beat them. He alters their careers, man. And they, that's the type of fighter he is. He just pushes a pace. Um, you know, don't the, and I remember this growing up is, uh, you know, if I was going to pick a fight with somebody, I always looked at their ears. Because that cauliflower, that's that's where they got that power. Is <laughs> yeah, wow. don't pick a fight with some of cauliflower here. That that's that's not a that's not a good idea. <laughs> you think I'm right? So oh, if you're into a fight, dead serious. Always you see check out the ears. Ear, uh, you just you know, hey, swallow your pride and get out of there. Yeah, you just shake their hand and and move on. <laughs> Break the wrist and walk away. Yeah, unless you unless you got cauliflower ear with them, then you compare. You have to like take some precise measurements of the <laughs> the actual uh, you know inflation of your ear versus no. theirs, the circumference. <laughs> Whatever. No, no, there's, this is fight <laughs> so science. Gross. Don't don't you know don't don't fight it, Mike. It's a real thing. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. 
All right. So, yeah, Tommy mentioned some really good fighters. I think the fighters that have the best 2019 debatable, good fighters, absolutely. All right. So if you could right now with the active fighters, whether it be boxing, MMA, um, doesn't matter, who would you see matched up and under what rules? Like MMA, boxing, who would you want to see? What's your dream matchup, Mike? Well, with fighters that are active currently, the fight that I really want to see is an MMA fight, and that's that John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. Like, I want to see those two fight. They're so similar. Uh, they're talking crap about each other. I just want to see them fight each other. I think it'd be an epic fight because they're very similar in style. Um, but I don't really have any dream matchups between like boxers and MMA fighters at this time. I don't think boxers coming into MMA is really that interesting. We've seen it. It doesn't have to be MMA we, we know. It could be like Mike Tyson, Ali. No, no, no active, but, but, but he had said active oh, fighters. Active, active. So we did put those some parameters so that's why on I'm that like, would make that match. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like to see that matchup. But they already did that. They did like crazy. computer simulation. I think it was like back in the uh, early 90s, Muhammad Ali versus Tyson. I don't remember who won it. E-Rock. Can you please look it up and let me know? But then, uh, so for me, I think that my dream matchup with active fighters, uh, that's tough, man, because I think that I would like to see, now, are we still considering DC active? Okay. Yeah, DC still active? Okay. So I would like to see sure. uh, DC versus uh, Wilder in a uh, in a boxing match with MMA gloves. Yeah. DC really? versus uh, Wilder because Wilder makes some wild claims that he would kill an MMA fighter if he ever stepped into a ring with him, regardless of the rules. Um, I would like DC is a good enough striker. I don't think he could box with him, but I think he could get lucky and clip him, maybe knock him out, especially with the MMA gloves. Or the other the other side of that argument is you'd see DC get knocked the fuck out. And I'm, I'm okay with that too. Uh, I like DC. I think it'll be a good fight for him. I think it would give him a big payday on his way out. So if we're talking about the financial part of it, and then we're talking about the interest, you know, those are two big names. You got one of the heavyweight greats from the MMA that's getting ready to retire versus one of the boxing greats. And it is, you know, probably I prime of his career and he's just bodying everyone he faces. But truthfully is that, and, you know, you guys can debate me on this. I don't think uh, Wilder is a good boxer. I think he's just got really good fucking KO power, and that's it. He, he's he got that KO in those hands, and he just, yeah, he definitely can do that. But I think, uh, like uh, Tyson Fury proved, is he can be outboxed. And I think that that puts him on a more level playing field than people think. End result is, you know, either way, DC either shocks the world or Wilder does what he does and retires DC. And I'd be okay with either one of those outcomes. But that would be me. Like you said, dream matchup. I would want, I think, monetarily it's it's successful. I think as a fight, it's interesting. And I would love to see it. It's not going to. Can you imagine the damage it would have done to Homeboy's face? The knockout punch that Wilder threw in his last match, if he hit him with an MMA glove, would have shattered his face. That yeah. knockout punch he threw yeah. was crazy. So we just got an update crazy from E-Rock that uh, 
the simulation that I was referring to, I, uh, Ali versus Tyson, it was Ali over Tyson unless there was an ear biting. But even then, I think it still would be Tyson getting disqualified. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the dream matchup that I would like to see is I think a lot of people would like to see John Jones, Greg Hardy. <laughs> All right, that's a good one. That's a good oh, one. nice. That would be a good you know, fight. I mean, Greg I Hardy like obviously has a lot of. I think people just want yeah, to see that, Greg that Hardy a, get beat I think up. A lot of people want to see Greg Hardy get beat up, but he's just raw enough and just dangerous enough to where it, he could always have that puncher's chance. I think he'd get the living shit kicked out of him, but I'm okay I don't with know, that man. too. That guy's tough. Yeah, and he's not a bad fighter. He is tough. No, he's better than people give him credit for. Yeah, yeah, it's true. People just want to see him get beat up. That's why they tune into the fights because he's a wife beater, right? So, so everyone wants to see him get hurt, uh, but he keeps knocking cats out. He looks yeah, good in the ring, man. Starts, you know, huffing paint in between rounds or what was <laughs> the the inhaler? Oh, gee. oh yeah, yeah. yeah the inhaler. Got- yeah, I know Black Beast has yeah. called him out several yeah. times too. Well, I think Derek got, Lewis, he that was, was like, hey, I'll no put contest, my hands right, on him. Yeah, it was. Got a bag of whippets on the yeah. It's like, here, sniff this paper bag. Yep. What does it smell like? <laughs> Don't mind the silver lining, literally. <laughs> yeah, right. no, I that's nice. that's a good one, Tommy. I totally forgot about him because I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I think it'd be a fun fight. I'd like to yeah, see that no, fight. Yeah, no, for sure, for it's sure. It's a good one. All right, so now just to kind of let's now let's take the active part of it out. Who's the goat for you, Mike, when it comes to boxing and then MMA? Give me one of each. Uh, so for John Jones, or I mean for MMA, it's it's John Jones for me. I don't know of anyone that's been able to transcend into the sport and make the impact that they have. And the fact that he's still fighting is a bonus because we still get to see him work more magic Kane's in the powerful. ring. But I mean, the guy's yeah, unbeaten. Kane's a hell of a drug. Shout right? out to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> hey, it is. But it's fun to watch. Fun to watch. And... You know, nobody's beat him. There's been some people who got close, but nobody's beat him. And uh, yeah, because of that reason, I I think he's the best on the ground, on the feet, wrestling, all of it. It's good. And then for boxing, it was tough for me, uh, but I went with Floyd Mayweather. Um, I wanted to say uh, Roy Jones, but uh, when I think about Roy Jones, I think I said, was let that? me stop you there. But then it was more just because Floyd Mayweather. So, uh, okay. So the GOAT, it, what what about him makes you feel that Floyd Mayweather is the GOAT? His, uh, his uh, career, his ability to go undefeated still to this point. He's He's gone multiple weight classes, defeated big names over and over again. Is it that no one's zero been able to beat that him. mostly makes you and I think- feel he's the GOAT? Okay. Yeah, that that and the amount of times okay, that he's defended about, the belts. Uh, Rocky Marciano, legendary. Beat Joe Lewis beat a couple other people. You know, Max Milner, all those guys. Uh, so mm-hmm. he fought like a lot of those guys are considered, you know, best of their eras at certain points in time. He beat them. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I don't get me wrong. I I, I think Mayweather is a good fighter. Totally. I don't know if I'd give him the title of the GOAT, but it's only because maybe I'm biased from a lot of his you know, personal stuff and his other antics that might make me a little shaky on him. Yeah. Oh, he's an a-hole. 
I hate the dude as a <laughs> yeah, person. Yeah. All right, Tommy, <laughs> who's who's your MMA and then boxing goat? So my MMA goat would have to be Chuck Liddell. Probably nostalgic nice. for me as long as my boxing pick. You know, that's when I got into it. You know, at that time you had uh, Roy Nelson, you know, proved you didn't have to be seriously in shape country. to make it. Well, D.C. too. <laughs> Roy Nelson was much bigger. But I think DC is uh, proves that more than Roy, just based off his success in winning championships. Please continue. Sorry for interrupting. But to your point, it's a lot bigger now than it was. Yeah. Right? Um, for boxing, it's got to be who I grew up with. Not Tyson. I watched him too. But I love Roy Jones Jr. I miss that guy. I miss boxing like that. Okay. Yeah, Roy Jones, man, that guy, he was fun to watch. He was ahead of his time and ahead of yeah, his opponent, that's for sure. Man, I, I, do you remember, like, before he lost to Tarver, just the mystique behind him, man? It was like, nobody can beat, nobody can touch this guy. He was just fucking with him. Oh, like, yeah. For the, yeah, the entire hand fight. behind his back. I mean, he, he didn't right. even waste. It's incredible. You know, yeah, normally he, there's, he like, off. a feeling out period, and then they would, um, you know, after they have this their opponent figured out, then they start showboating a little bit. No, Roy would start off round one just doing that. Floating like a butterfly. Yeah. Like a bee. For sure. For sure. For for me, uh, the reason why I didn't go with Roy, honestly, was just I think he tarnished Fuck his legacy. Yeah. He, he stayed too yeah. long and he got knocked out. Man, he got knocked out way too many times after. I was like, man, that's too bad. Because cause when I think about his career, I can't help but think about uh, all those knockouts. I remember the first time he got knocked out. I was devastated. Okay. And then he kept getting knocked out. Okay. I'm like, man. Okay. So, um, so, yep. so for all me, right. the GOAT, if we're talking the greatest of all time, MMA-wise, boring fighter, but I think great fighter is uh, GSP. I think that he was yeah. in there with some wars. He won a lot of fights. Okay. And even after he took, you know, five years off, came back, beat Bisbing at the top of his game, and then was like, hey, fuck this belt, eh? <laughs> I'm gone. I'm just going to walk into the walk into the sunset and just... Uh, abandoned the whole thing, you know, made his money and was gone. Uh, uh, you can't handle the rhythm. Yeah. That was my GSP no, it was, impersonation. It was good. No, it was good. It was good for no, the video. <laughs> the audio needs work. Oh, okay. But yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, but GSP was a good fighter, took advantage of the rules, definitely was in a uh, step above. Oh, uh, and just, just in case people don't know, GSP is uh, George St. Pierre. You know, he just all around good fighter, won a lot of his fights, walked away at his, I, I would say his peak, and then came back just to show he could still do it, won a title, and then walked away again. He'll probably be back. I'd like to see him. What the hell did you just do, Mike? <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, yeah, and then for boxing – my goat for boxing is uh, Sugar Ray Robinson. He spanned lots of decades, won over 100 Man. fights. You know, you, okay. you count his amateur fights, we're talking 300s. Man, was a beast. And people don't realize it, though, is uh, it, once he started accumulating some of his losses that he had, they were all uh, way later in his career, like we're talking towards the twilight. But even then, he'd had – he so he had a Ali-esque career the last – 40 fights of his career. But then before that, he went like 60 and 0. So, he, you know, he had 60 and 0 and then went on to, well, okay, 60 and 0 might be exaggerating. The fact check me, I'm probably wrong. But 
he just had over over hundred fights, and I really liked him. Most likely, uh, you know, I went by, I watched the documentary on him because I was already a fan of him, and then once I watched that, you know, seeing his background, you know, just really downtrodden uh, upbringing, came out of that poverty, ended up taking himself out of it, uh, you know, and again was <clears throat> hungry, not like McGregor. <coughs> oh. So Jameson, sorry. Uh hairball. <laughs> yeah. Hairball. So the, yeah, Sugar Ray Robinson, George St. Pierre. <laughs> Stampy. Okay, idiot. so those were our goats. So who is your favorite fighter though? Okay. Oh, that's really Connor McGregor. Oh, yes. Dude, I love when that guy fights. I love when he fights. He talks so much crap. He's so arrogant. Yeah, and I'd say you're and he right. Typically backs this it up. Fight. You and see I how nice it. he was to Cowboy and subdued this whole time during this process. Yeah, but you not mature. The it's not different mature, fighter dude. now, man. He's hunger. more mature now. What happened the last time he ran in his mouth? Uh, he got fucked up by Khabib. I don't uh, pay attention. He ain't talking. Okay, okay. So I, man. I He's cannot his wait lesson. until our next episode when I'm like, hey, did you see Cowboy fuck him up? <laughs> yeah, so Tommy, who, who's your GOAT? Let's make sure we don't edit that out. We want to make sure we can oh, favorite, revisit that favorite, statement. Not favorite, favorite, not GOAT. We're talking MMA or boxing? Either or. Thanks, E-Bomb. Time. Uh, favorite? Well, to- uh, Mike, do you have a favorite boxer? Favorite boxer? Ooh, someone that oh, I really enjoyed yeah. growing up watching Damn, was probably Bernard my- Hopkins. No, you did. You did. Shut up. You didn't okay, have so one. Let's, uh, all right. You were I still trying prove- to come up with one. <laughs> I, like, I love I like Rocky Balboa. The and ju- you know, what's funny is I have a picture of me and my sister when I'm like three <laughs> years old. My sister is five. And we were literally at the same stairs doing the Rocky pose back in the 80s. Just saying. Hmm. Hey, you know what? Uh, who was that other fighter that I really enjoyed watching? Mexican fighter, Roberto. I don't know what his oh, name is. But he would always smoke Ricardo cigarettes Mayorga before and, and after was, his fight uh, Nick, and drink uh, in the Nick ring. Mayorga. He didn't last that long, but he Oscar was fun Del to watch because he was so cocky. <laughs> that's that's my favorite guy to watch. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. So my favorite uh, Hoya, MMA huh? fighter over the okay. years. Um, I always thought he had a funny stance. Man, never really could string it together for a championship, but I always liked Carlos Condit, man. I think the natural born killer. He, I just, some of his fights, he looked like a world beater. Condit, Other yeah. ones, when he got in there with somebody yeah. who was a champion, he just always was close, just couldn't win on the cards, didn't get knocked out, didn't get submitted, but just could not win on points. That just was his. Your, your pick surprised me. Carlos Condit? Yeah, I thought for sure you're picking Tito since your room's plastered with his posters. Uh, Tito Ortiz. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, no. Hmm. <laughs> you talking about hmm. all right? So that's that's my MMA fighter, but my favorite hmm. boxer, Tito. Uh, that's a tough one, man. I really liked. Uh, there's a lot of. Yeah, you stole mine. B Hop was mine. I I loved watching him fight. Now he's gonna pick Mike Tyson. No. Just no. a piece of shit. Nice. Um, nice. Honestly, I really liked boxing <laughs> in the late '90s, early 2000s. Not necessarily anyone in particular. I liked what started off yeah. was the Evander yeah. Holyfield versus Tyson's fight. Yes, I did pick Tyson, and then it went into uh, Lennox Lewis dominance, and then uh, uh, Seam Rockman 
And then right after that, it started the Klitschko's. So, you know, right there at mm-hmm. the beginning of the Klitschko era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the heavyweights, when it comes All to boxing, those are the ones yep. that, you know, people remember. There's lots of great fighters in those, you know, those lower weight classes. But the the ones people remember are the heavyweights. It's always been that way. What about some great trilogies back then? I mean, like Eric Morales and Marcos Antonio Barrera. Man, those fights yeah. were incredible non-stop wall-to-wall punches just destroying themselves and i will say one of my favorite fights of watching somebody lose was prince nasim when he, he lost to, to marcos antonio barrera he was fun to watch i agree but he had that 25 yeah, minute flying carpet intro into that fight and then 12 rounds of just getting destroyed yeah yeah and then I he never fought the, after that that was it I like seeing uh, Ricky Hatton get knocked out by Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I remember, remember how hyped mm. people were on Hatton, Hatton. and yeah, then Floyd Mayweather, a... not known for his knockout mm-hmm. power, came in there and just shut everybody up, just smacked him, sat him down. Great yeah. fight. It's true. Good stuff, man. Boxing is different nowadays. All right, that's so for sure. That kind of takes us into the the conclusion of this episode. You know, it's it's been a good time. You know. Uh, just to kind of recap, Mike, me, and Tommy, we've been enjoying some uh, Jameson IPA castmates over here. What have you been drinking during the show? Uh, I have had some coffee, some water, and some Tito's vodka. Fresh and refreshing. <laughs> Makes you feel great every time. Cool. Tito's. Yeah, no, we're totally until they yeah, <laughs> one day, one day that'll be relevant. But right now, don't give it away for free, Mike. Yeah, handmade. Originated in Austin, Texas, with the view of the city. (laughs) I mean, just I'm not aware of it, but is uh, all I thought all (laughs) vodka was gluten free. I'm pretty sure everyone else adds cornstarch except for Tito's because they're organic and they don't. They care about global warming. They care about how much money they're putting in their bank account. That's what they care about. (laughs) All right, this is uh, Johnny Phoenix. And then I got my man pointing at you. I'm Tommy. I'm not doing this. Mike one. Tommy Cum Lottie, a.k.a. Tommy Two Guns, a.k.a. Tommy Epstein, not here to kill himself, but here to kill the podcasting game. Tommy. And we out. Thank you for listening. Greta Thunberg's a time traveler. (laughs) Yeah, Greta Thunberg's a time traveler. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh.